Hey, this is Christopher Talon, host of Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people by creative people. Real quick, let me tell you, the show is sponsored by Baby Farm Soaps. Look them up on Facebook, Baby Farm Soaps. They've got all kinds of great products, homemade, organic, top-notch ingredients, really good people. Go check them out on Facebook, Baby Farm Soaps. Also brought to you by Rivertown Adventures. You check them out on rivertownadventures.com. They're the best outdoor experience in Lansing, Michigan, hands down. Rivertownadventures.com. Today I talked to nurses Rachel and Megan. We talked about all things nursing. There's a lot more to nursing than most people think. So check out Rachel, who works in PACU, and Megan, who's a nurse educator. And you'll also hear my producer, Jason. Enjoy the ride. All right. Did you already click? click oh, on? yeah. I've been recording for two and a half minutes. Oh, sweet. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm here with two nurses, Megan. Hey. And Rachel. <laughs> Hi. And uh, we're going to talk about you guys, how you got into nursing, what kind of nursing you've done. Uh, and I also want to talk about just the myriad opportunities for nurses because a lot of people say nurse and they just think, oh, that's the person who takes my blood pressure at the doctor's office or the person who comes by and says, how's your pain? Have you taken your medicine? But there's way more, as I've learned, goes into it than that. Um, so I kind of want to open that uh, mystery of what what goes on there to, to people. So who's been nursing longer? I don't think we know that. I don't think we do either. I graduated in 05. Me too. Oh, there Ooh. we go. Both 15 years. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, since you're in management, then I'm going to start with you. Barely. <laughs> what was uh, what was your first nursing job right out of college? Oh, gosh. I did six to eight horrible weeks of med surge nursing at a hospital. Isn't yeah. that what she Cal- does? In Kalamazoo. No. Aren't you med surge? <clears throat> no, no, I'm not. And for you guys, med surge is like, oh, med surge. But what, what is that for the... So you kind of... Uh, I was also in a... It's called a float pool. So you bounce all over the place. You don't have a specific floor that you work on. Oh, okay. um, And that's what they were doing with new grads in that hospital at the time. Uh, that sounds mean. It was <laughs> really mean. Uh, and so med surge is just kind of your run of the mill. You weren't a surgical you don't have a specialty like cancer or something like that we would go to a specific floor for that it's just kind of it's mostly old people honestly um and yeah it was awful every day i'd go to a different floor and you'd go up to the and they were all giving report in one room and you'd walk in they say oh we have two orientees here who wants them and they would just be crickets (laughs) (laughs) and so i was with someone that didn't want me (laughs) <laughs> and I was on a different floor every day, and it was real bad. So I lasted six to eight weeks, I think. Wow. And then quit. Hated it. That's all you worked at? I think so. Oh, wow. That one place. I felt like it was a lot longer. It was nights too, right? Oh. Uh, 3 to 11. No, mm. 11 to 7. 11 to 7. Ooh. 11 p.m. to 7. 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. So nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but eights, which is kind of unusual. But yeah. I hope. That's something that boggles my mind. People in the medical profession know what's good for you and what's not good for you, but everyone will tell you sleep is really important and staying with a natural sleep cycle, but you can't tell people to stop being sick in the middle of the night. So is, is 
night shift nursing just kind of like the place where people cut their teeth and like get a job because they say well i had my experience doing that or are there people that are like no all i want to do is work nights for 30 plus years there's both of those people Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. is there a certain kind of person that's like built for that or would it surprise you like oh well so-and-so likes bad nurses kind of is a grandma and and (laughs) so-and-so likes to climb mountains you know I think the people I've come across that will be night shifters forever are the people who have lives at home where that schedule works best for them. Yeah. And then I think after that schedule isn't important, it's just, I don't know, they feel comfortable doing that. Hmm. It's a different pace on night shift too. So what you trade in sleep deprivation in general, gross feeling is just the busyness of what day shift brings to you because there's a lot more procedures, visitors, just stuff that happens during the day that doesn't happen at night. Well, well probably not as much bosses. now. But bosses don't round. <laughs> I, I would imagine that now it's still kind of a ghost town with like COVID precautions, right? There's not as many visitors in and out. and They're loosening up a little bit, but yeah. I mean, generally you don't have a ton of visitors at 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. So that's nice. true. Yeah, there are some perks, um, but I certainly don't ever want to work third shift again. Was, was your first job <clears throat> third shift too? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, and then it, my third job was third shift, and that was even better. Isn't it just a priority thing? Like uh, you, seniority. seniority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically, anytime you're in a hospital, you're go- if So here's a tip for anyone who wants to be a nurse. If you are hiring into a job or you're in- interviewing for a job and they have day shift positions open, that means that they are turning their nurses over so fast that there are day shift positions open. Uh. You don't want to work there <laughs> ever. I say that to any student I come across. So in a hospital, you are going to work night shift because, yes, it's based on seniority. So the more seniority to have. And I think on our floor, it's like five years. It's not bad. Oof. When I first started in, it was like 12 to 13 or something you would have to put in. But it what? didn't end up being that. That's gross. That's we got lifers on my floor. These old biddies been nurses longer than I've been on this planet. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. There's a couple. Like, I'm at my 40-year mark. <laughs> Time to retire. Legit. Those are the ones that can't use any technology. And they're like, I can't use my phone. <laughs> well, I imagine that most things that used to be all paper, a lot of it has switched ever since, uh, well, I guess it was right around the Obama presidency, right? With all the Obamacare stuff, they moved a lot of things from paper to computer, right? I don't know. They were They were doing that. When I graduated, really you know, moving I things electronic, on paper, and then was doing uh, computer charting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So yeah, I remember paper charting for a couple of years, and then we mm-hmm. went to computer charting. Mm-hmm. There are still places though. We had it was two years ago. We had a nurse come in who had never computer charted before. She lived in Florida. They only what? paper charted. It's like, are you kidding me? That's With like strange. ink and like wells of ink and feathers. What do you guys do down there? <laughs> Nuts. We kind of glossed over it. Tell me more about your first job too, Rachel. My first job was um, a surgical intermediate unit. Is that similar to a med surge? It's in a more a higher acuity. So, so they're just a little sicker, sicker people or people yeah. that have been through a little bit. Yep. We'd get the sicker patients or the patients that were just well enough not to be in the ICU. They were on my floor. Between both of those floors, how much of it is like people that are sick, people that have had like some kind of like cut or blunt force injury? Is it a pretty solid mix or did you see like kind of like one group of like, well, Megan, you said it was mostly old people. Mm-hmm. 
I think now medicine's moving more toward it's so specialized now. There's like a specialty and a floor for almost anything you want. And so back back in the day, <laughs> we were nurses. Uh, but I just remember it was just kind of the catch-all. If you weren't sick enough to be in the ICU, then you had to go to a floor. And sometimes they would segregate. This is for more of the gut issues. These are for cancer patients. And there'd be kind of that. But it was just run-of-the-mill. You'd have um, all sorts of different diagnoses around. Just people kind of hanging around, waiting to go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say them. waiting to die. No, <laughs> I was waiting for that. And no, there on. are other places for that. <laughs> I was gonna say specialized that. places mm-hmm. for that. Well, places with higher acuity. Then was there a fair amount of truly life-threatening, like people on the verge? Yes. Yeah. Exactly that. I learned a lot there because people were having spontaneous events that required immediate intervention. Yeah. That would be exciting. It was. Well, have you been around people that are like run into a a code is when somebody is dying. Like there's some somebody's coding. That's just medical term for like they're going to die. We need to do something. They're done right? breathing or, or their heart's not working. Mm-hmm. So CPR has been started or should be. Or should be. <laughs> okay. So one way or another oxygen not not getting to the not getting to the brain. Correct. Um have you been part of those rushing to save somebody's life moments? Mhm. Does it get easier the more you do it? Or do some people naturally go into like, this is where our training kicks in and they stop thinking about this person's going to die and it's just kind of like, almost like putting a puzzle together? Well, hopefully what you hope for is that there is a team in the room that can run the code. Yeah. And most hospitals have a team. So whether you're in the ICU or on a med search unit, you have a specialized team that comes to help run a code that hopefully feels pretty comfortable doing it. Do you remember the first time that you were like right in front of a patient? This person might not live. I remember a patient's eyes rolling in the back of their heads, head and calling a code. What's that like as a, as a new nurse, the first time you see that stuff, are you thinking, okay, I just got to make sure I don't shit myself. And (laughs) yeah, you basically need new scrub hands when you're all done with it. I, I, can't remember the first time, but I remember it wasn't a hundred percent on my radar. It was almost somebody else was like, "Um, yeah, you're gonna need to hit that button because they're dying." Like uh, for reals, <laughs> this guy doesn't look so good. It's you get an intuition after a while if you're <clears throat> if you spend enough time mm-hmm. around patients who potentially could do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I'm in pediatrics, so it's a whole different ball game. But you got to the point where you're like, I'm just good. I'm just gonna hit this for you. Like, we're we're in trouble here. And he's gonna <laughs> boop. Just, That's why there's a lot of people around. Yes. Yeah. That patient that I remember wasn't actually my patient. It was a room I had gone into to help that nurse. Mm -hmm. You never know. I'm glad you guys seem so calm even just talking about it because I I panic thinking about people being like, I have a really bad cut on my arm, let alone like this guy's dying. At what point in your nursing careers did you kind of think, all right, I kind of know what I want to do. How did you How did you figure that out just by watching other people, by process of elimination? Well, I didn't like that place. I didn't like this place. I feel like you kind of know coming out of nursing school if you like adults or kids. It's, yeah. usually, it's an A or a B, and right. then where to go from there. So I knew I liked pediatrics. I just couldn't get in to a pediatric floor for a while. So I started out doing the med search thing because that's what they just like push into your brain. I don't think they do it so much now, but... 
like, you know, go get experience in the real world and then you can find whatever job you want. And uh, so I finally got into pediatrics and I just stayed put. So I've only had the two nursing jobs and then I elevated into, I mean, it's leadership, but it's this weird middle ground leadership that I'm in. Um, so I don't really make any decisions, but, uh, and stayed on the same floor that I'm on. So I've been on my own floor for, I mean, they, I had my 15 year anniversary. So wow. you did do ER work when you were a tech. I was a tech and, and Metro's ED for a little, oops, <laughs> for a right. little bit. Cut that. Start. I ain't cutting that. It well, I don't work there now, so I don't think it matters. Ago. I don't think it matters. <laughs> okay. Um, and then how long has it been since uh, you ditched the scrubs? Because now you're... Five years. Five years. Yeah. Okay. Was that difficult at first, or were you like totally ready to be no. putting on a dress and earrings? And <laughs> I was excited to not wear scrubs every day. Uh, and now I feel like sometimes I want to wear scrubs every day. Um, no, it was, uh, it was 50-50. We had a lot of talks about it. I think life-wise, it was working out... We thought it would be a better decision life-wise for us because calendar, you know, a nurse's schedule is you have a schedule, but it's a different schedule. And so that gets in the way, especially 12-hour shifts, get in the way of a lot of stuff. Like anything you want to do other That has a routine. Yeah. Yeah. Any of those things. Um, And I'm a nurse educator, so I help with, like, practice and development, and I could go all into it. But uh, I was a – transport nurse before that so I was the one who got in helicopters and went out to get patients and did all this high acuity crazy stuff so I went from that to like sitting in an office so I mourned it a little bit I still miss the acuity of it but I also don't miss when I see all the trade emails go out and they're like well okay well it's time to pick up extra shifts I'm like (laughs) (laughs) not me (laughs) all right I gotta focus in on that part because I had never heard the the helicopter part and I get a little excited about helicopters because when I was in the Navy, I worked on helicopters. So I've only flown in one one time. Surprisingly smooth, right? Oh, yes. Once it's off the ground, when it's on the ground, it feels like it's going to fall apart. Yeah, the like, takeoff and landing is always a little wonky. It's yeah. pretty smooth in little... the air, though? Oh, it's beautifully smooth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Especially if you're – because have you landed on some tall buildings before? Only helipads. The surrounding yeah. hospitals around here only have, like, ground helipads. We don't really land on anything. There yeah. is – we have a helipad. There is a heli, uh, is a hospital up? in the area. Yeah, it's on our, it's on the top of our uh, ramp. And there's one, yeah, I remember there was one downtown that um, I used to get really distracted when I was taking classes at GRCC because you could see. You got see. distracted? <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? That's probably it? spectrums, though. Yeah, and I remember every day we'd be in, I think it was a science class, and you'd just Everybody would turn and look out the window. The professor's like, come on, guys. We've seen this a dozen times. I don't, what is it about that, though? Like, if a, if you hel- hear a helicopter fly over you, you're going to look up. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, is it the Russians? No. Okay. We're good. <laughs> well, especially <laughs> if you're near downtown when it's coming in and landing. I was driving into town the other day, and I could see it. And it was trying to land, but there was something keeping it from landing. A drone, possibly? <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Oh, no. if it was another drone, but it was just hovering. It was just sitting hmm. and waiting and waiting. I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> Cool. It is cool looking. Yes, very smooth. Yeah. Also deadly. You know. Good. I'm glad you brought it back around because I forget what we were talking about. Yeah, we we're talking no- about helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're um, not going to survive that if it. If well, it you crashes. fly below the clouds, so I mean, there's just no time to do nope. anything other nope. than. Well, and is when you fly so low, the turbulence is probably there's not much turbulence like there is when you're flying really high. Right, because yeah. we also sometimes would take a fixed wing plane. Uh, I did that once, and it was 
horrible, horrible turbulence. Mm-mm. Kind of a, a deal where you had a, I'm trying to think what, oh, that was the movie Airplane. That's a bad example. But <laughs> they were, they had a, they had a, like a, a sick patient that they needed to transport in the, on the airplane. <laughs> when I was thinking, I was like, oh yeah, I saw some movie that I was thinking it was going to be a drama, but then it was a documentary like on that. the most ridiculous movie of all time. <laughs> so never mind. I'm not going to go well, down the airplane. You mean airplane with, uh, Nielsen? Yeah. Uh, Leslie? Surely you must be joking. No, I'm not. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah. Those are so good. We have to get this woman to a hospital. What is it? It's a big building with lots of sick people. <laughs> His humor was just great. That dry sense of humor. Anyways. Did you, this This is the last part of, I'll ask you about Lies. flying up in the air. But um, <laughs> do you have to do any special kind of like air crew training? We flew with Aeromed. So they were the flight team and we were just the medical team. So you have to get flight certified every year. Basically, I call it a three-hour class on how you'll die in the helicopter because that's essentially (laughs) what it is. They talk about unplanned camping trips or what happens to the helicopter when it goes in the water. And (laughs) you just sit there and you get fitted for a helmet and you sit there and just learn how you're going to die for three hours. And that's it. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. Well, I, I... used to talk to a lot of the air crewmen from the helicopters that I used to maintain. And they said, yeah, nine times out of 10, if a helicopter is going down, it's not going to, you're probably not going to make it. But every now and then they can, they do have a thing that they practice and it's insane to watch where they'll cut the power to the rotor and then they'll just free fall and yank up on the stick at the last second. And it kind of gives them a little cushion right at the last second. And then they do a hard landing. Like the tail goes in first. Uh, no, like, I mean, it just, the whole thing comes flying out of the sky. And then at the last second, this guy just uses the, the lift from the fall, pulls up on the, they call it the collective stick, pulls up on that. And that gives it just enough that it can kind of stop it from slamming oh, full impact the... into the earth. And then, well, cause that's slow. your best bet is you have to land <laughs> flat. Otherwise, if you tilt any other way, those rotors hit and then you did. Yeah. I think in yeah. theory, I've seen, I've With seen all, all the three hour training of, you had. Uh, I had three-hour training once a year. Thank you. Oh, so like every year. 15 hours of wow. training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big girl. For them to go, you got a big old head. Extra large helmet for you every year. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So that led you into the educational leadership role. Yes. You started out working nights in the, not med surge, the surge. No. Intermediate. Intermediate. And then what did you go then to I and got, graduate up to then i got married and i moved to florida where i did pre-op post-op and some medical outpatient so i prepped people for surgery i post-opped them if they were going home and we did blood transfusions and bone marrow biopsies and iron infusions it was a plus i worked part-time it was a pretty good gig actually yeah i heard good things about pack you wish very good sedation. People yeah. love it. I do. I know. We love it. <laughs> what is it about it they love? Mm, well, for me, when I, because after Florida, when we moved back to Michigan, I went back and did ICU, which on an acuity adaptable unit. So, um, acuity adaptable meaning, meaning that we cared for intermediate patients and intense, like intensive care patients but also even some med surge patients. So we'd care for people throughout their degrees of illness. 
sounds like that's the place where you were talking about earlier. Well, we got to get rid of this person. Do they? Does that kind of feel like a dumping ground sometimes? Well, no, because your patient might start off intensive care and by the end of the day might be intermediate. And the next day they might be a gen med. And if we had room and weren't trying to move people out, you know, to make room for more sick people, they just stayed with us. So it was nice for continuity of care. Ooh, that's a big word. We use it a lot. Mm. We use it so yeah. much. That's a, that's a it's important. in the nursing world. It's yeah. important. It's really important to see the same faces over and over and have a nurse that potentially knows your story. Mm-hmm. is it. It's safer and it's just nicer if you, you know, even if you were only there for three or four days to see the same faces, mm-hmm. it's nice instead of having to bounce around. Mm-hmm. Good for both parties involved, patient and nurse. Yeah, especially if the patient has an awesome nurse and then all of a sudden they're they're gone. You're like, what? Well, and in our world, uh, we, we try to do that. We have, we call them primary nurses who take care of the same patients almost. They can request that patient every single time that they work. And then you start getting, you share the schedule if you have more than one primary nurse. But uh, for pediatric patients, it's like having a different babysitter every single day. Yeah, and it's, it's a intense. new person. And it'd be so pay, intense for those kids. The parents that stay for so long, the ones that are there for a really long time, they all go cuckoo bananas and their satisfaction scores are always like, I hate you. Like, yeah, we can't, we can't blame you. It's a different yeah. person every single day. Very hard. So Specifically with working with young patients, is there more of a, I don't know, maternal, or I guess for the male nurses too, paternal instinct to, to drift that way? Or are there some people who are still just as crabby as the crotchety nurses that you were talking about? It's funny because the longer you're a nurse, if you start talking about, oh, I'm a nurse, and you hang out for a little bit, you can almost pinpoint where they sit, if they're peds or if they're adult. ED nurses, you can spot them coming because they're a special breed. <laughs> ICU nurses, you can kind of like, oh, you're such an ICU nurse. <laughs> Pediatric nurses all tend to have, I don't know, just similar the way you give care and provide care. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's better or different than adult people, but we all feel the same way on opposite ends of it, like bleh, adults. And then some people are like, barf, kids, yeah. no thank you. <laughs> It changes, I think, after you have your own kids or you go through a life event similar to something you're caring for. I think that changes things. But my floor in particular has like seven dudes on it. So we don't see a lot of men running around. You don't see a lot of guys in pediatrics outside of the ICU. Yeah. ICU draws a lot of, for pediatrics, draws a lot of men and the emergency room. Don't see a lot of boys running around. How about on uh, your end of things as far as like male male to female ratios? In the pack for, for staff, yeah. I have no male nurses that work with me, just PCAs or techs. Have you noticed techs. in the places that you've worked, certain departments or specialties tend to draw more men? Yeah, it's very much like Megan said, ER, RICU for sure. I think it ends up being a stepping ground for a lot of people that are going on in school, whether it's to be a nurse practitioner or physician's assistant or even med school. They might be working there as a tech but they like the ER. They like the ICU. I, I would think it's because it's just action-packed, you know. It's I the same s- reason. Save the day. You guys might have more of an uh, adrenaline. Yeah. I think it's the same thing response. that I mourned, and you probably mourned, was the adrenaline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to feel hardcore. And in the ICU or in a helicopter, right, you feel right. pretty hardcore. Yeah. Just strut so, a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you do, you know... You do have a lot of information in your brain when you're doing that kind of care because you learn a lot. Do you ever miss those early jobs with the high intensity? 
just in the sense of, man, with the experience that I have now and what I know now, I could go back there and kick that place's ass. Or are you like, nope, I'm good with it. Leave it, leave it to the new nurses. I don't know if I'll ever go back because of what I know about stress and cortisol levels. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Um, I think I probably will just try to find my adrenaline rush in a different way on my own schedule instead of beating it into me on a weekly basis. Take up skydiving or something. Yeah, just the occasional <laughs> rush would be just fine. But that I do tr- miss it. That is true in life. Like, I don't get that adrenaline anymore either. We live such pampered lives mm-hmm. that you have to actually go pay for it, mm-hmm. like skydiving or bungee jumping or something like that. This is. Good point. I'm gonna ignore you, you ladies for just a second. Do you still get a ru- <laughs> do you still get an adrenaline rush though before you do a, a podcast, or is it kind of like yeah, I've been there now? Not really. It's mostly butterflies, depending on well, yeah. what's at at stake. I've never really, I never really got an adrenaline rush from podcasting. Hmm. Don't we start picking fights with you before we start? No, podcasting? that would cause extra cortisol. <laughs> 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 then you'll have that middle body fat because you have extra cortisol oh i don't have any of that you know the only adrenaline that i can relate to is when uber was used to surge a lot and then like you never knew like you were trying to get that high surge and then all of a sudden you'd get a a, an insane one and you're like that's where the money goes up yeah the money sorry well everyone knows uber surges do they Surge pricing. I think most people know about Uber. They're like, because how many times have you gone downtown? The thing you're done with is done at like 11. And you're like, oh, geez, it's 25. Let's have a drink somewhere and check it again in an hour. But that's kind of gone away. It used to be a multiplier. And sometimes, I mean, I've had seven or nine multipliers before. And I just made 300. If this ride, even if you don't know where it's going to go, like if it goes far, 20, 30 minutes, I just made 400 bucks. But (laughs) it's kind of gone away a little bit. I would get adrenaline from that and be like, oh, Yay, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> or the adrenaline of like someone's back there going. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. That's bad adrenaline. <laughs> and you're like. Mm. Do you have puke bags oh, in the boy. back of your car? That's I wise. Do. Yeah, really I've nice. only I've only had it happen twice out of like 3,000 rides. So it's not bad. But yeah, yeah I, I, I it's actually. It's bad when it happens, though. Oh, it's the Gross. worst. I don't miss the, the drive, you know, driving drunks around. I honestly don't kind of gets old especially this time of year when it's coming up on halloween glitter everywhere uh, that's why you have leather seats <laughs> glitter no and cloth. drunk girls in costumes yeah. oh that's not no a bad thing, thing. Oh. if one more because they're all drunk short girl in a hot nurse outfit, that's the other thing how do you ladies feel about having an occupation that gets um completely what's what's the word slutted sexualized sexualized, sexualized yeah uh come halloween time like everybody's like, ooh, I'm going to be, you know, I don't know if it's PC to say the slutty nurse, but the... Uh, the, the sexy nurse. The sexy nurse? Yeah, there you go. The sexy nurse. And where did that even come from? And well, I, I, I'm not saying, man, I'm not saying slutty nurse. I've, yeah. People used to say, oh, I'm going as a slutty nurse this year. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that's what girls that I know used to call it. I'm going to go They called nurse. it that? Yeah. Well, they're whores. Well, any caregiver <laughs> is turned into a slutty whatever. Teacher... Librarian. Librarian. Oh, that's true. The, it's because you guys are disgusting. That's the, why. The school one is weird, though, because there's the sexy school no, no, girl no, outfits, too. Like, No, no. It's the teacher because she's like, you've been a bad boy. <laughs> yeah. See, and then it'd be if you flip it for women, it'd be like the responsible man who, like, made you dinner. Be like, yes, please. <laughs> who folded laundry. Yes. I see you're wearing nice clothes. Mm-hmm. I, I think you it's smell a, fresh. I think you it might have been teeth? a Instagram page. Somebody was like, <laughs> "You brushed your teeth." He's talking with. 
Better don't get Megan going, man. I tell you. What were you saying now? Sorry. I was gonna say I think there's a, I think it's on Instagram, uh, porn for porn for women, and it's just videos of like really muscular guys like doing laundry. <laughs> Legit. Yeah. Or a really muscular guy cradling a baby and like with a sexy like blue yes. steel look on his face. I don't know. I feel like she would like The Rock doing that, cuddling a baby. Or just shirtless. Hey, I sense that you've had a rough day without you having to tell me or cry first. Baby, you just go hang out and I'm going to make dinner. <laughs> Done. Turned on. <laughs> That would work for me too if I came home and it was all like that too. Well, it's different but for I'm you because you're day, you're sta- yeah you're stay at home dad, yeah. so you're taking care of a lot of that stuff. Stay at home dad and try to be writer <laughs> when I have time. Uh, you better now. Now you're getting paid, bro. Woo! It's not about us though. What's up, girls? <laughs> yeah. um, you can edit all that out. That's fine. That'll just be a separate podcast that yeah. you and me are talking. <laughs> um, no, I want to talk about too. There are so many different things you can do in nursing with a bachelor's degree and then all the way up to it you can be a doctor of nursing of mm-hmm. nursing mm-hmm. um so just within even having just your not just but you know what i mean having a bachelor's degree in nursing you can do more things than i can count like can you just start thinking rattle off a few different things a uh, visiting home nurse doctor's office nurse our allergist office uses well, they call themselves nurses. That's debatable, but are they doing more like uh, medical uh, assistant type work there? Well, or? they're just a shot pusher. They're just although you know, it's not the job. It's they're just attitudes. Yeah, you know, we were looking at other ENTs, and the one that someone recommended, I looked at. They're all DOs. Hmm. They're not MDs, hmm. which I thought was interesting. That's I mean, interesting. I'm fine with it, but I would have assumed that that would be an MD position. Ooh, but I want to ask you guys about that too. Do you see any difference in terms of the approaches DOs versus MDs take or the bedside manner that MD, MDs and DOs take? Or was there a time when there was more of a distinction? I haven't really noticed anything different at the bedside with MDs versus DOs. Because the DO is supposed to have more of a holistic education, Right. They like, incorporate more Eastern-y, holistic stuff in their, yeah, in their schooling. Like they the learn D- a little bit about chiropractor stuff, and they can crack backs and stuff mm, like that. Do so. the DOs go to school for eight years, too? Yeah. They're, they're, oh, so legit, oh, like you've just decided to go down this path. Mm-hmm. Which is right. MD is oh. medical doctor, and DO is doctor of? Osteopathic. Osteopathic. Okay, I was gonna say obstetrics, was, but that's, that's not right. That sounds. Not right. I was gonna say obstetrics. I was gonna I say I can't say that. Obstetrics. That's no, lady that's, business. That's lady business. Yeah. Yes. No, very different. It is. Yes. It's a slight OB, OB obstetrics. Slightly different o- education, mm. but obstetrics essentially and gynecology, the same thing. OBGYN. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I didn't know they went to school the same length. Oh, they of time. are they. Yeah. So, for mm. example, you can have an orthopedic surgeon that is an MD or a DO. Huh. I wonder if they get looked down on because of that. I, I think that's that going away. DOs no. were kind of thought to be the the, yeah. the stepchildren of the, the doctor community for a while, but not so much anymore. Yeah. Well, my dad was an MD, and I remember him telling my brothers, who are both DOs, <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. 
mm-hmm. you know, he didn't care, but there was, it was a culture thing. Yeah. I don't understand it. I just know it existed and I don't know how much it really exists anymore. Well, I think it's going away. I think with Eastern medicine being more accepted nowadays compared yeah. to like back in the fifties or sixties, that's probably part of like, Oh, that's just wackadoo stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's we witchcraft. It's witchcraft. We do regular medicine here. We're MDs. Sometimes traditional medicine isn't the way to go. Well, medicine mm-hmm. is diversifying. The care providers are diversifying too. So it was just a man's game for a really long time. And then, you know, you started getting women and then people who actually weren't white were becoming doctors. And so as you roll in more traditions and cultures, I think it just having more of a mixed bag on your hands is always a good thing mm-hmm. i feel like yeah mm-hmm. i hadn't thought about how diversity you know might affect medical care but that's that's interesting oh we talked about that didn't we for a while there during the whole george floyd thing you were throwing some stats out that i thought was ridiculous but yes about diversity. uh west michigan's west michigan's got a little bit of a diversity issue when it comes to our hospitals i don't know how your hospital is but um i mean maybe it's Again, one of those things that is slowly changing. Hopefully. I'd like to think so. Still not 100% diversified. It's still mostly white males that you see in the doctors. Yeah. Well, in in my – speaking from a pediatric my floor standpoint, we struggle with diversity big time just in general. I mean, I, th- I feel like our physician – group is more diverse than than their nurses are but yeah we have we struggle and it comes from the nursing schools up so everybody's kind of working on a way to diversify a little bit more just because we're seeing there's the the population that west michigan services is very diverse Mm -hmm. but then you come into a hospital of a bunch of white people caring for a very diverse population and Mm -hmm. it's the same thing that you know kids who watch tv shows where they're you know a little black girl watching tv where there's no role models who are black that she doesn't think she can grow into that. And it's the same thing. You go into a hospital setting and you don't see anyone who looks like you. It's just slightly uncomfortable. And so there's a, a barrier there that a lot of different hospitals, I, would, I mean, ours is working on it really hard. I would assume it's kind of a, you know, the nursing schools are working on it. So is that part of anything that you do, the outreach, or are you more just focused on the care that goes on? Both. I have a personal outreach that I do. Uh, It's just been a a big topic of conversation. I also, outside of the hospital, I work with Kent ISD to, they reached out to me. And so we just host a lot of their students. So it's, there's two groups. One is just high school seniors. And then one is just anyone who's not a high school senior in, in this health explorers i think now and uh, like a kid's tv show it's kind (laughs) of what it is so anyone interested in medicine and so we take on uh, students and they can come shadow and they do all this stuff it's all on hold because of covid the director and i have a lot of conversations about diversifying because what they were finding with the whichever one were the high school seniors they take the cream of the crop of the ken isd students who are interested in medicine and allow them to do this extra they get credits for a couple of different colleges if they do it. It's this really cool program with the cream of the crop kids who had all these extracurriculars and all this stuff that lined up. They were all white girls, like hmm. all of them, because they didn't have to have jobs and they had the money to do all these extracurriculars and they were seeing this common trend. But that the Ken ISD, that's not the kids that they service for Ken ISD. So they really worked on diversifying that diversifying that a little bit more and i'm trying to pull in more people my poor manager he's from costa rica i was like so mm-hmm. i need you to talk to some students because you're a boy and you're kind of brown <laughs> he's like fine <laughs> yes <laughs> it's my little personal thing 
it's not sponsored through the hospital. And I, I imagine, I don't know if you have these answers right off the top of your head. Maybe I do. I would imagine the government wants people to go into the medical fields. Are there a lot of grants, scholarships, things like that for people who want to go into the medical field specifically? Or is it just like anybody else? Like, no, you kind of got to find your own way to do this. I've experienced things through the hospital that Mm -hmm. they will, you know, reimburse your education if you sign a contract with them. But I don't know about the government. Do you know anybody? Have either of you done something like that before where like a hospital said, yeah, we'll pay for some or part of your education? I've worked with people who have done that. Mm -hmm. You've done that or you also just know people who have? No, when I hired in, there was, uh, if you hired in in a shortage position, which nursing was, you, if you worked for three years, each year you got up to like $7,500 reimbursed. So as long as you worked those three years and then I did one terrible semester of grad school and it was fine it's just i don't like school so one semester and if you did it right for tuition reimbursement it cost me nothing so as long as you paced it correctly the hospital reimbursed you but there is a a grant that whitmer just put out for people who want to go to nursing school i can't remember what it is but you i know one of our the techs on our floor utilized it so she's going to go to nursing school with some sort of grant that's Mm -hmm. only specifically for people who want to go into nursing the nurse educator says she doesn't like school i'm not a good student you were there (laughs) i was i was a terrible student too but i loved teaching i think there's something to people that don't like being educated in the traditional way are not always, but a lot of times better at finding like a different way in than just that everybody listen, I'm talking now. You know? <laughs> well, it's a complete digress, but they uh, they talk about, you know, I think we talked about that that night you came over, how traditional education, this just doesn't fit for everybody. They try oh, to yeah, cram totally. everybody in this one little model. and yeah. You're all going to be put in a room by age, not ability, and we're going to shoot for the middle and the top, and if you don't fit in one of those, you're kind of going to be lost. Well, I that that's the best they can do, though, if you think about it. And like, well, I'm not I'm not trashing teachers because yeah, I know yeah. I know how hard it is to do oh, that no, job. No, 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 it's just and it's a it's a tough job. It's not a teacher thing. It's an administ you know comes from the top down. Yeah, that's if, you've, just, if you've got one teacher to 28 kids, that's that's hard for anybody. Yeah, but anyways, that's a we can go on and on about that, right? <laughs> yeah. Are there big issues in nurse education right now? Either like educating people who are already nursing because i would imagine it's hard to tell somebody who's been nursing longer than you to change something (laughs) or uh um, or or you know even at the level of just the original training like (laughs) getting your bachelor's degree in nursing have you noticed any maybe shortcomings in the general education system or is it a pretty smooth transition from college into job i had a good experience I think the shortage would be that they need more professors to teach so that we can educate more people to be nurses. Mm-hmm. We still have people on wait lists trying to get in. Really? And is there still the demand out there, though? Oh, for sure. Oh, really? The oh, shortage is sure. only growing. Oh, yeah. Is it because all because... the baby boomers are retiring. Oh, so... so there's more patients. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. Well, and it sounds like, too, there's always going to be places that have high turnover. So there will always be jobs that... You know, or just band-aid jobs. The they crap need somebody jobs. real yeah. quick. Yeah. Yes. I know that uh interestingly they're changing what they have identified a little bit of a a gap in critical thinking skills mm. for not for all new nurses, but they hammer 
into, you know, taking tests and testing well. Nursing schools want to have these high passing rates of boards. So I, I don't remember which school it was particular, but I had a tech who was in school. And they had to take this pre-test to see if they would get a predictable good grade on their NCLEX, which is your boards, uh, which makes you an RN. So they had to pass this certain pre-test at a 78% or something because then that would show that they could have a high likelihood of passing the NCLEX. And she had to take this thing three or four times. And by the time she was done with that, she had so much anxiety to take her NCLEX that she's like, I'm going to fail it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's your school covering its ass. That's all that is. Why do you need a test to show if you're going to pass or not pass your NCLEX? Like, it's, it, it is what it is. And so they hammer so much task into you currently. They're trying to turn things. And they're actually changing the NCLEX for one of the first times and putting more critical thinking questions in there to see if nurses can critically think. Because uh, that, I because mean. Because they need to. They need to. They and need you can that's tell pretty much those what you do all the time. Yeah. You'd like everybody to be, be able, able to, to, but especially in a, in a job like that. Well, yeah. and we've, at least from my um, precepting position, which I usually, I t- didn't typically have new nurses. Um, what's a, just new what's to. A, a preceptor is a. Uh, somebody that. I always hear that word and I think of the thing that a king holds in his throat. I throne. orient that's people to the floor. <laughs> I orient them to the n- kind of nursing for... She's a trainer. Okay. Specifically reflecting on my time doing that in the ICU. Okay, so you're both in... Bless your heart. You're both I educators in, in, in some fashion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's what happens during that time, or at least that was my experience, is that you got a good idea on if they had critical thinking skills and then developing them there. And... At least the floor that I used to work on really, really put a lot of effort into their education of either new nurses, just new ICU nurses, like a year-long orientation, like six months. That's what I was just, just intermediate. Is how long is it before, before somebody even, is on their own? Before yeah. you even take an ICU assignment, and then you have, I think, six months of ICU, and then you're on your own. Wow. Do, are there that some people intense, that... But it's they hope it... It helps retention mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. these nurses are going to feel confident and do well. Are there people that reach the end of that time and aren't ready? And then do you just keep training them? I, do you have to say like, hey, you got to find somewhere else to work? That's the bane of Megan's existence. <laughs> um, it's no, like there my are, daily life. There are people that do not continue on. And I have personally had to be involved in a scenario like oh, that. That's painful. That's got to be rough because the people obviously don't want to do a bad no job. No one but... wants them to do a bad job. Yeah. But sometimes, like we were talking about earlier, there are a lot of different things you can do in nursing, and you have to have a certain skill set to be in the ICU. Yeah, it's not care a job of. you can just hide somewhere and say nice things to the boss and get by. You're not flying by. You got to have the skill set that's required. That's why we put them through a long orientation to give them the best opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, it just sometimes isn't there. It's rare. I've not, I see that's only one time in my career that I have seen that happen. But it was oh, weird. I see it like twice, like twice a year. So part of what I do is, uh, so it's called nursing practice and development. So it's not just as we're changing something, a procedure, a policy, I have to roll that out. But it's also taking all the new nurses and onboarding them. So bringing them in, showing assigning them preceptors and then meeting with them, seeing how their journey is going. So we're always tweaking that teaching classes. Why are you laughing? Because it's painful for me? No, because you use the word journey, like all millennials do. 
because I talk to second. 60 millennials per wait, year. Wait a, give her a couple <laughs> more sentences and see if she says she's living her truth, too. Oh, no. I don't get that crazy. I do talk about mental health like a whole bunch. Though, well, that's good, nurses. though. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yes. No, I don't say speak your truth. You have to say the two together, though. I'm on my journey, and I'm living my truth. Yes. I also try to drop swears to show them how hip I am every <laughs> once in a while. Oops, did I just drop the F-bomb? Yeah. I'm sorry. Is everybody okay with swears? <laughs> sorry. Because uh, I need to be cool. So setting all that up, and then we meet. Uh, we actually tear them up. They start, because our floor is a mixed bag. You have like babies that are ready to get chubby and go home, and some that are really, really sick. And so mm. you start with the ones that are just eating, and you work your way all the way up to the sickest of the sick. And so as they tear up, you can start to see, like, oh, maybe this isn't for you. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things you can do. But, yeah, it is mm-hmm. probably a couple times a year where we have some that – we've had a few. They're absolute disasters to not make it. Right. You know, the, some of the ones I think of are one that couldn't show up on time. Like you're just kind of a disaster in your general life. It usually has right. nothing that's, to do that's with more, like, That's a lot more than just clinical out. skills and critical yes. thinking. Yeah. To where we have to sit and say, so what time do you wake up? Yeah, I mean, okay, come on. You need on. to set two alarms 15 minutes earlier than that. Yes, let's start. Okay, how long does it take you to drive here? Like I'm talking to a person with a medical degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. And you have to smile the whole time. Uh-huh. You're going to kill people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you have mustard stains on your scrubs? <laughs> Those are the same ones you wore yesterday. Cool. <laughs> Fine. You need to wear clean ones every day. <laughs> okay. That's Big the other, girl. That's the other thing I got to ask. Or boy. I always Sorry. assumed that the hospital gave you scrubs, and it blew my mind when I found out that is not so. So you have to buy your own scrubs. What does a set of scrubs go for these days? Depends on how fancy you want them. <laughs> you can get them at Goodwill if you want, but. They have to be so specific in color. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And you guys color code opposite what we do, which I is know. always fascinating to me. It's so weird. Probably 50 bucks a pair, right? Yeah. For some... That or less. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, the, Around there. Probably the more expensive ones are more comfortable and soft. They are. They're, they're getting not... all soft. Now the joggers are in. Get the mm-hmm. cool jogger scrubs. <laughs> What's a... I want people to is see. That a cuffed brand at... or is that a... <laughs> well, it's a style of pants. The cuffed at the bottom. Oh, yeah. they're like soccer pants, kinda? kind of? Yeah, kind of. They look awesome. All the tiny baby nurses. I'm like, oh, look at you and your pre baby body now i'll notice <laughs> if my shoe's untied yeah well unless you wear those sorry nurses those really ugly nursing shoes that look like somebody just completely closed off a um a crock yeah it's like they're like the dutch shoes the yeah it's the, like somebody uh, took the wooden shoes and made them yeah. leather instead yeah do you guys wear those those kill my feet i tried i i tried because everyone wants to be in a pair of dance goes when they graduate. Oh that's, that's what it is. Yeah, because yeah, I probably, rolled my ankles in dance goes. They're probably like $300 Precisely too. why they're not for everyone. <laughs> they're supposed to slip off your hair, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're a klutz anyway, that's so true. that's like, okay, tennis for you. Everybody has their <laughs> I, shoe that they I like. I have seen people, more than one person in dance goes, lose their really? footing. Absolutely. Like the rolling of the ankles is a yeah. real thing because it's about a two-inch platform yeah. on those things. Yeah. Listen, you're gaining Nursing shoes are a big deal. Do, do people swear by those, or is it just kind of a fashion thing? You love both. them or you hate them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, because you're going to stand for 12 hours, essentially. So yeah. you really need to hone in on... If they don't feel good, they don't yeah. feel good. I didn't know if it was one of those things where like, you'd see a, a new hire coming in in sneakers, see everybody wearing theirs, and then the next day they're like, hey guys, I got some cool shoes too. Usually it starts I mean, going that's around. that's probably like, part of it. Yeah. Like, wearing the Nikes back in the day when like Nikes were like, the thing mm-hmm. and compression hose there's another tip to young nurses get your compression start, socks girls start now 
Waist high. You know, it's sexy. My recommendation. Varicose veins, baby. (laughs) Those are forever. Is that because of a standing thing? Oh, for sure. Constantly. And then you get this constantly standing, walking, and pregnant. Mm. Yeah. I knew the pregnant thing. Double down on that. Yeah. And then holding your pee all the time. And Mm -hmm. then then you just pee every time you laugh or Mm -hmm. sneeze. That's another episode. Compression stockings. Pain in the butt. Worth a million dollars. No, they're cute, though. They're not the ugly white, god awful things. Well, it's. Talk more about pee and poop. Um, <laughs> Could we? Is it possible oh to go through your entire career as a nurse and not have to wipe one butt? Sure. Just don't go to the hospital to find a job. Yeah, work at an allergist office. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like every nurse I've ever talked to is like, it's pretty hard to get around wiping at least one person's butt somewhere in, in your training or whatever. Training maybe. But even then, like I don't feel like we did that kinds of hand those kinds of hands on things during my clinicals. Not I didn't change very many beds. I did mm-hmm. Do you have nurse tech meds for, or whatever. That's what they do. The nurse tech is there to support the RNs and unfortunately that's a lot of the delegated tasks like, oh someone duty themselves. I have to go get a medication out. So <laughs> could you find some help, help with that? <laughs> be right back. That would, that would be know. my only reason to get a degree so I didn't have to do that. <laughs> I feel I like everyone should do some sort of entry-level medicine job before they become a nurse just for empathy. Yeah, yeah, and bedside manner. Yes. What? You both had said that you worked in a hospital or at least some kind of medical clinical type setting before becoming nurses, or did you do that while becoming nurses or both? I did that oh. through school. Mm-hmm. Is it pretty common or... Yeah, I think so. And then when I see students come around, I'm like, get a job in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you Would you both recommend that? Yes. Priceless. It's like, entry level. Mm-hmm. You can get a feel for what you like and don't mm-hmm. like. And mm-hmm. you can actually see what's happening. Some people have this weird idea of what just medical people in general, nurses do coming from, you know, the ICU setting in pediatrics. I'm like, oh, do you hold babies all day? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's all I do. Mm-hmm. Rock babies. They either think they we rock babies or they all they all die. Well, it's like in the middle. There's yeah. it's in the middle. Good days, bad days, right? But yeah, it's a great way. And we identified the techs on our floor who are in nursing school. And man, we sure try real hard. Like, you know what you want to do? Work on this floor. Mm-hmm. It's super mm-hmm. easy. We just we have two right now. They're like, I do want to work here. I'm like, okay, good. You let me know if you have any NCLEX questions. <laughs> Love you. So that's probably the closest thing. I would imagine there's no internships. For nursing, like that seems like the kind of thing you would definitely want to pay somebody to do. Well, they're paid. Or no. Once upon a time, we had paid internships. Mm-hmm. They call it, they call it your internship before you're on your own. Where I work. I oh, really? Yeah. Same thing, because that's what doctors they call it interns. You're call them interns paid, when they're still but... getting paid, and they just kind of got to move up the ladder, right? Mm-hmm. Do nurses do that too? Oh, well, she's an intern. For for a year, our nurses have a lot of like extra education again building those critical thinking skills and And whatever else they might not have gotten in school we spend a lot of effort pumping into them their first year are they getting education from preceptors are they getting education from both people like yep people like megan other leadership they are they would have a team dedicated to those people is it a nurse residency program? Thank you. I'm saying, I was saying internship, and it is. It's nurse residency program. Yes. We just, well, our hospital's had it for a while, but the pediatric realm hasn't had it. We, we're in our second year right now, so I'm eyeballs deep in nurse residency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. It keeps it's, nurses in the career mm-hmm. Yeah. versus sticking with a particular hospital. Well, how many, and I know this, well, maybe you have seen numbers on this, but if you had to guess or if you know, 
How many nurses do you think make it through? Well, how often do you have to renew a license? Every two years. Okay. So how many nurses do you think go through one, maybe two licenses, and they're just like, eh, I'm going to find something else to do? I don't know many, but I'm sure that there are some. And I've, I've actually, I, I do know of one, but it wasn't really like that. That was a job, burnt him out, and he left the profession. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that do that because they, again, either they worked a job that was just so hard or they had no idea for real what they were getting I bet into. they had no idea. And that's why getting a, like a tech job, you're like, oh, I'm learning about this, but this is what it really is mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There yeah. is a, so nationwide, there's a 30% turnover of nurses within their first year or two. Um, they're trying to tease out whether it's at 30% of new nurses leave their job in their first year. And then some of that is leaving the profession in its entirety. Some of it's leaving the, the floor they work on. And you really don't want to see a new nurse leave their... Oh, hello. That was a weird noise. Uh, it escaped out of you. It did. I was trying to hold this burp in this whole time, but it came out anyway. Uh you don't want to see them leave within their first year. Whenever we have turnover like that, we see it's, I swear we should just start asking people, do you have a boyfriend that lives out of state? You can't work here. Well, add that 30%. What is one, the ones that actually just leave for good? That's what I don't know. I don't have the stats on how many leave the whole profession. Because 30%, if that was them leaving the whole profession, seems incredibly high. Mm-hmm. A third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd, I'd want to know what the actual I haven't. I haven't seen in my career where somebody has left the whole profession. You see some people, I think it's more common in West Michigan, people take a break and they get their MRS or they don't make it all oh, the way through nursing school because they, they get, they. this is West Michigan. They get I was going to work full time, but now then they go I to don't want to work at all. And yeah. then they don't work at all. And then third tip, keep your nursing license. Even if you're not going to work as a yeah. nurse, keep your license because, oh my gosh, taking the NCLEX again. All you got to do is renew it and pay your money. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, not, your continued education. Yeah, you have but, to get your education. Oh, you do? But, yeah. yeah. But you oh, can okay. pay And then for you that pay too. him. Yeah. Hmm. And you pay him some money and then. It's probably a good idea, difficult. though, because like you never know what happens in your life. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, you get divorced yep. and like you're all of a sudden or the, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you, you, you have to provide for your family and like, oh, my gosh, now what am I going to do? Yeah, we have somebody who just came back to our floor after being gone for 10 years and she wow. and her husband got divorced. Uh, they lived out of state. She moved back and she's like, I want to come back. We're like, cool. Come on back. It's so much better now. Yes. <laughs> it's exactly the same. <laughs> I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like a lot of people have this idea that there's uh, tension, if not outright conflict, between nurses and doctors. Like doctors are all, oh, you're just a nurse. Go do my bidding. And that nurses are resentful of doctors and think that they're overpaid. And is is any of that real? Is it just kind of depend on like, well, maybe it's true with that doctor because he's a douchebag or she's a douchebag, equal opportunity. <laughs> or do you do you notice that there's kind of like a culture of like, yeah, sometimes at some places or certain maybe ICU or wherever that there's I th- that tension or no? I think that that is a culture. And where I work, I do not sense that like generally, but more individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you just, you deal with those individuals. And you teach new nurses how to deal with those individuals. Yeah. Because, or I've even seen resonance with their 
attending physicians deal with those individuals because they know that we're at the bedside and they need us Mm -hmm. and we need to work as a team or it doesn't work very well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's my experience. No, it's exactly the same that I've seen. What about between nurses and nurse techs? Is that what they're called? Mm -hmm. Is is there any kind of like, you're going to bail again right when this guy threw up on himself? I feel like it's more uh, nurse techs have nurses they don't want to work with. Versus, yeah, because they mean, treat them bad. It's like, yeah. why would you treat your nurse tech bad? They're like going to save your oh. ass. And just like a doctor and a nurse, like this nurse would probably gonna, on multiple occasions be like, ooh, that's not, that's too much medicine. You're going to kill them. Yeah. Tip number four, <laughs> always treat your nurse techs. Well, because someday they could become a nurse and your colleague. And yeah. we have a friend who started in the warehouse and then worked his way, started going back to school. He was a tech, then he was an RN, and then he became a manager. And so you were kind of a dick to him. Then he's like, oh, hey, so I'm your boss now. (laughs) Remember how you were terrible to me? But yeah, I have a a friend who's a tech, and she has people she does not. I mean, she doesn't ignore their calls. If they ask for help, she will help. But if she has to prioritize, hmm, sorry. Yeah, but I don't see that usually text her. Because if you're a really not good tech you usually don't last very long on a floor right it's again the individual Mm -hmm. on an individual basis i in my current position and even in my last position have realized the importance of a good tech and i've been a tech which again another recommendation to do techs your pca your patient care assistant whatever at a hospital while you go to school because you're going to learn how to treat those people when you're no longer in that position. Yeah. You gain a great perspective. And I, I treat my aides a certain way because of my experience. They will save your ass so many times. Mm-hmm. I knew when I was in the thick of things and being one of those transport nurses, you also attended all the codes and you were in with the really sick patients. And it was the best thing in the world when I could look up and I would, somebody asked for something and I would look and I'd look up and my tech friend had already made eye contact. They're like, I got it. And they're yeah. running and they already know what you need because you work with them so well. Since it's, you know, the middle of a pandemic and you guys are, are working in hospitals, what was the initial response when people were like, uh-oh, this is going to be bad in your immediate settings? You can go first. Oh, boy. So being privy to nursing leadership, I yeah. got to be a part, I mean, be a part, listen to all the conversations on a daily basis of what we we're going to do to prepare. Uh, we started looking at, you call it like hospitals, so you start looking at hospitals that either have the same kind of patients you do, the size that you do, mm-hmm. take the same, you know, volume, whatever. Uh, so we were we were looking at Detroit hospitals and what they were going through. And so we started mimicking a lot of what they were doing, say, like, where can we put patients? And that was most of it. Like, how are we going to take care? Because we were assuming we were going to have all these sick patients. We were going to max out the ICU very quickly. Yeah, then every, all the reports coming from the East Coast were like, yes. there's – Tents set up in parks to treat all the sick people, and everyone thought it was going to just be like that everywhere. Well, Detroit was experiencing those sorts of scenarios. And the east side of the state, too, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it would have been that way, but they learned, and everyone, you know, you flatten the curve, and like, you know, we kind of had an example of the terrible areas, and you're like, okay, yeah. this is what we're not going to do. I we had foresight. Yeah. Yeah, foresight. Not a foresight. Yeah, before it actually came. An ability, and I got to see some really there's some brains that came out of the woodwork. So some nurse man, we had a nurse manager in the ED 
who now works for informatics because he basically stepped up. He's like, I have developed a staffing model to show us how to predict blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, what? And he had been working on it anyway, just in the background of some like a hobby. Hmm. He's like, here it is. And so he could, we were starting, I mean, you could see the prediction models anyway, but he could start to figure out where we could move people. And we were starting to figure out how to train, you know, someone, well, you actually would have had ICU experience, but taking those med surge nurses and train them up to do ICU. So they were just like crash coursing people. So people in my role, we were all getting sidelined to just train. Thank goodness I was in pediatrics. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I just taught about how to put your mask on right. (laughs) That's what I did. But yeah, so we were talking about how we, uh, because Grand Valley was shut down at the time. And so we were going to utilize Grand Valley's uh, building as patient care. And so how do we, so people have to run over there and figure out How do you put an actual patient in here? And so there was all this crazy on a daily work being done to try to just accommodate for this huge patient load that then we never saw. But at least we never saw it. At least we never saw it. Was it like the, um, in either of your hospitals, was it like, uh, I was reading about hospitals, I think in Minnesota, that had cleared whole wings just to devote to COVID and then like they had just empty wings of Mm -hmm. hospitals Mm -hmm. and other places where they were cramming people in two more people that were supposed to be in a in a spot uh did did you see a lot of that too kind of confusion of like well geez we've got this cleared out it's not coming but in the meantime all this other stuff is going kind of wrong because of the way that we're trying to cram everybody together i experienced that a little bit because um when the weirdness started i ended up going back to the icu for a little bit except for it was non-covid and we had relocated ourselves to open up the bigger area for that surge that we were expecting. And then my little non-COVID ICU was packed. And it was like the good old days when it was only a 13-bed unit and we were just rotating whoever was the the best one to move on to the intermediate (laughs) status. And in the meantime, the COVID ICU sat nearly empty. Mm -hmm. Thank God, again, right? you know, like it's easy to look on it and like, oh, why the, why did we do all that? Well, because we had pictures well, from in front an every, of us of what And from what an everyday person's be. perspective, thank God it was not that bad. But I imagine from a leadership point where they're like, all right, we're going to devote all this time and resources this way and that way and nothing. Mm-hmm. That has to be frustrating. And I imagine some money probably gets wasted in that too. Well, well and, and a- employees got laid off. Because they oh, weren't yeah. doing there was a like lot the surgeries of uh, we called it COVID casualties that mm-hmm. happened after from uh, hospitals nationwide mm-hmm. just hemorrhaged money mm-hmm. during COVID preparations because you sidelined everything and then you stopped all the surgeries so that's mm-hmm. your money maker and so we stopped elective surgery emergency surgeries were still going on but in I would assume your hospital saw what we saw is just these sicker than snot adults who didn't have COVID COVID. and they were putting off (laughs) procedures or we, we saw a huge uptick in strokes because people People weren't coming in because they were so scared. And so they would be coming in four or five days after a stroke and you can't do anything and they're very compromised. And uh, people were like, well, I was supposed to have a heart valve replaced. I feel a little weird. And they're like, (laughs) come in and just, I remember our ICU educator friends just talking about the types of patients. Like I haven't seen patients like this in like, 15 years because coming out of the word work yeah just because nobody wanted to Bursting come to the, the hospital yeah wow that, that seems odd to me i'd be like yeah i'll roll my dice on the covid i have a heart valve that doesn't work but you're also young I, that was an older 
person. I mean, my mom said the same thing. She's like, you can't go to the hospital. I'm like, please go to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. You have to go. I mean, you have to go. They're taking precautions. So much fear. Mm-hmm. So much fear in those people. And thanks for the media for blowing that up. Well, it's funny. Know? It's funny with you bringing that up about getting COVID in the hospital. I haven't heard anyone that got, I mean, yeah, there's employees that get it, but I haven't heard that, you know, cause if they, if there was a news would do a story on it. Right. They have them completely separated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't heard anyone like I got COVID from another patient that had COVID like mm-hmm. I'm other than staff. I'm talking yeah. like patient to patient. Mm-hmm. Or if it does happen, then it's on the 24 hour news cycle. Well, that's what I'm saying. Straight. I haven't seen anything on it. So clearly they're doing a great job. Well, we're good with infection prevention. I mean, the things that people have that are communicable and disgusting and don't spread all the way around hospitals, you'd be surprised at how much we do to make sure that, oh, that person can't stop pooping themselves. Mm -hmm. We're going to isolate you down. And Mm -hmm. that nurse has a couple other patients and then they don't get it. Yep. We Hmm. really care about not bringing infection from one patient to the other. It's a really big deal. And we take a lot of precautions. And on top of safety, there's a financial motivation that insurance companies mm-hmm. have stopped reimbursing if you give somebody an infection yeah. within the hospital. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, <laughs> all that care you did post-infection, we don't cover that. Right. It's so real expensive. There's a, It's a double-edged sword that, yes, we of course, we want to be very careful for our patients because we love our patients. But there's also extra incentive for people to throw whatever they want at units that say, hey, we identified – this new practice that will help us be safer and we've you know there's this new precaution we're using they're like yes please use that Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess the one of the last things about this then from an education perspective because you're both in positions where you're telling people this is the right way to do things this is the wrong way to do things change what you're doing from this way to that way do you see less resistance in that in general when there's a pandemic going on versus just somebody who's kind of like ah do we really have to change everything now do do attitudes change during this at all or not really i've definitely still heard people complaining about the changes (laughs) um but they still do them yeah (laughs) well yeah i mean people are gonna complain you know well, one, uh, you know, once the fear kind of alleviated a little bit, because from a healthcare perspective, too, you just thought it was coming and they were predicting, they told us, um, you know, 50% of your staff is going to be sick. Mm-hmm. And so how do, you, how do you prepare to lose 50% right. of your staff? And that's what they kept telling us over and over. So those of us who have office jobs, we started going back and retraining ourselves on how to care for patients because that's what we thought was right. going to happen. And we were going to have these enormous patient loads mm-hmm. and... So you're trying to prepare for all of that. And then once that wasn't happening, I think people, because we were just throwing everything and it changed. I remember teaching classes on the PPE. And while I was teaching the class, someone handed me a piece of paper with the new information. I'm like, "Mm, I'm not doing it for this one. I'll do it for the next one. And I feel like people rolled with it really, really well when we were all really scared. Mm -hmm. And then once we kind of saw it not happening and then some rules came post so our hospital way post was like oh yeah you guys gotta wear goggles and face shields now Mm -hmm. and everybody's like what (laughs) well that's why i said to chris i'm like uh we're not getting less restrictive at the hospital if anything it's become more coverage 
Which mm-hmm. is odd. Well, some I, some Joe Blow or some scientist said this is better, and like, but what about the month and a half that we just had a face mask on? Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What about the month and a half? Yeah, right. We like, just what about a, that? Uh, what about that? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It I alleviated some things, so we started a lot more visitors in, and then like, oh, bam, everybody's got to wear goggles. Now you have. That's to when wear I sat goggles. back and went, "Well, that sucks for you guys." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'll just shut my door more. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Is that good enough? Yeah, it's been a wild ride. Long time waiting for the ball to drop. It never did. Mm. It's been interesting. I've been glad to be part of it. It's been a good ex- good experience in a way for me. Well, kind that's, of a That's a good positive take from it. Uh blasted some life into me as far as excitement at work that's for sure yeah i bet rekindled some love what i'm getting from this podcast (laughs) is that you need some adrenaline in your life yeah yeah well i got some twice yeah i got some that's i mean i did i was the charge nurse in the icu for six five weeks can't remember and it was and i hadn't done it and hadn't done it in how long four years oh wow but that was what I was doing, and yeah, mm-hmm. I did love it, and it made me kind of want to go back, except for then again, the cortisol levels. And yeah. I don't want to age faster than I need to, and I can find that somewhere else. I don't know where, but... Well, there's something it's... foundational, too, about it almost being like a call to arms for medical people. Yeah. And, Get me out there. You know, besides yeah. the whatever frontline heroes, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> but from the inside perspective mm-hmm. to be able to step up in a way and stretch yourself in mm-hmm. a way. I mean, I by no means helped during this pandemic from a medical standpoint, but I felt good preparing mm-hmm. They're like, I would well, you be stood, able to take... you stood ready. You weren't like, oh, I'm bailing on this. Right. And, and well, hysterically, initially, they told all the pediatric people we would have to go train to be, like, adult I nurses. And I was like, just so you know, the mortality rate will increase if I have to be an adult nurse because I don't even have adult <laughs> instincts. And, you know, uh, a neonatal ICU is very, very, even from a patho fizz vital signs is so different from every other floor that i don't even have good instincts for pediatrics that i mean that our patients just do different things so i'm like i'm just just letting y'all know like mm-hmm. i'll do it and then we we got a pass thank goodness mm-hmm. to just and that's what we said i said i can come take care of a general adult or i can stay on my own floor and take care of a ventilated high acuity patient which i could very much more easily step into than than that grown-ups well, the planning is super important, and the people that were doing the planning wherever, whatever hospital, were really important, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And it was a high stress for them because there was so much unknown and so much changing, like you said, all every day. Mm-hmm. And they got so much crap, I think, too, for the constant. And it, it, was, it must have been very hard on bedside nurses to have the constant barrage of changes. But then on the back end, there were people going, so sorry, we're changing it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just... Yeah, yeah. People in in medicine and in education, I I feel really bad for because, like you said, every almost every other day, it's you can take the masks off here. Nope, you can't ever take the masks off. All right, well we're gonna let you take masks off if it. Nope, we'll never take masks off, and we're not <laughs> even going over there anymore. It's like okay. Well, I mean, you gotta give it up to like this is a new pandemic. This is mm-hmm. something new, and they're mm-hmm. only going on the novel like, coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, it's just like. Yeah, when people would get pissed, I would get pissed too if I was in that. I would be frustrated with the change, but then I had to have to sit back and say, 
it's not their fault. Like they're just passing down mm-hmm. the information. Like this is what the CDC yeah. or the the WHO says. So this is what we're gonna do. And like, that's mm-hmm. science. The more data you can collect on things, the the bigger picture is gonna start to change. And yeah. sift through. Yeah. I think that's where you don't see as much non-compliance within within hospital settings or medical settings because we all do have sciencey brains and yeah. so just do we it, don't people. understand the outside world i'd rather just exist with the people i work with who at least understand it the way i understand it and you just go out and lose all your faith in humanity i want to go back to work <laughs> people get me we'll wrap it up the last thing i'm going to ask both of you is you've said that like three times <laughs> nope, this is this is the last thing so, he hasn't so. said we'll wrap it up he said this one yeah, more question. like i gotta pee too <laughs> like we're getting to if i have to pee that's a problem yeah, I know. I know. The last thing, <laughs> what would be your pitch to somebody to this is why you should think about nursing? I think Ooh. that if you like caring for people, then you should think about some profession in healthcare. And if you don't like caring for people, you should find a different job. <laughs> like IT. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> we need nurses who care about people. Yeah. And, you know, the way uh, it's funny because I actually give this pitch to those Kent ISD students because they're kind of thinking about something medical. It's my whole goal is to make them all into nurses. It's it's like my underlying like, yeah, any medical profession, but mostly nursing. (laughs) But it's so vast that you can you get this one degree, you get yourself through school and then you can do so many things with it. And I have. I know people who have even made a job out of their nursing career. Like that was never a thing. And then I made it into a thing. And now this is what it is. And you can move all over the place and you get tired of one thing. You can move. Yeah. People can fly all over the country doing travel nursing. And I've even seen those cars, the, the dial a nurse. And people like you can have a nurse oh, come yeah. to your house. A nurse, is, a nurse car. I've yeah. seen the nurse car. Yeah. yeah. I just saw an open position for you can help direct like the healthier school communities or something mm-hmm. as a nurse so you yeah. don't even have to take care of patients you can do so many different things yeah. affect people's lives just from what i know about it if you want to make pretty good money mm-hmm. have to go to school for four years leave the job at the job when you come home depending I, on what you do yeah yeah well that's true that's true but i mean if you're hourly you kind of do i mean mm-hmm. i i you punch the clock and you're not checking emails you're not but doctors yeah. seem like their stress level is just through the roof. That's because they, they have a debt bill they got to pay. <laughs> yeah, that and they're, they've, they'd incur probably more of the, um, uh, what's the liability too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but yeah, man, you, and you can work two, three days a week and still make good money. Yeah, I think the, even the entry level base pay is pretty good. Base pay is pretty good. Yeah. Do you know what a, a nurse uh, like averages in Michigan right now? I would bet starting out. I bet it's over starting 40. out. I think no. Well, no. oh, 40 grand a year. You mean? Yeah. I thought not 40. 40 I was like, <laughs> no, I think you come in around 25, 27. I think, I think dollars an hour, or a thousand a year. Uh, dollars an hour. If it's 25 oh, okay. a year, it's like, say, check, please. I'm going to go work at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I'd, if I could do it all over again, instead of you can, you're not old. Oh no. My life's over. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk to interesting people and try to inspire be, other people. Maybe <laughs> like that quirky tech. I can see you doing tech work. Uh, no, I'm cool. I like sitting by you and talking to the interesting people. Fair um, enough. Yeah. 
uh, and cheers to the interesting people. Thank you, ladies, so much for coming on the show. I love talking to you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy this show and you're thinking, hey, I want to make a podcast too, you can, and there's people that will help you. Hey Guys Media Group, heyguysmediagroup.com. They help me get this podcast going. They help me keep it going. I would not be able to do it without them. Heyguysmediagroup.com. Let them help you make your podcast.